0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Hello Raider Nation, welcome to Believe in Raiders podcast from the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackman, we've been joined by former Raider, great Stanford ref. Stan, Raiders coming off their second straight victory over the New York Jets. Wasn't pretty, man, but like they say, a win is a win.
2: Yeah, just win, baby. You know the words of uh the late great Al Davis. Uh like you just said, it wasn't the prettiest, but uh definitely uh something much needed. Two game win streak against both New York teams. Now four and five. Uh oh, gotta five go ahead and get it. I'm sorry, five, five, and five and five. Don't cheat, uh, Stan, don't uh,
1: cheat him out of any <laughs> <laughs> Um
2: gotta go uh, and uh get a W down there in uh in Miami this weekend. Hopefully they're able to do that. And right now, the emotions. Right now, the mood, the theme, just the overall vibe of this team is looking up. So uh, hopefully they can go ahead and keep this going. I know a lot of people want to go and just simply say that, okay, it was against the New York team, so whatever. And I definitely understand that. But uh, I think this is going to definitely be a good test coming up this Sunday against Miami.
1: You know what, Stan, and I heard that also. I tweeted something out. I said, look, the Raiders' defense uh, played really well the last two weeks. They've given up only 18 points, uh, one touchdown drive. And I said, granted, you know, it was against the New York teams, like you said, but I'm like, you got to give credit where credit is due, because you know what? We would be crucifying the Raiders right now if they lost to either the Jets or the Giants or both, man. Yeah, no, it's one of those
2: things that, you know, it's like when you are playing your little brother uh, in a game of pickup basketball or something like that, where, to be honest with you, There's really nothing you can do to win, per se, because if you beat him, it's just your little brother. And if you lose to him, you lost to your little brother. So the only thing you can really do is just simply get a slight applause, and that's simply by winning the game. You're not going to get bouquet of flowers thrown at you or anything like that because that's who you're playing. Um, So, you know, uh, I mean, you look at several teams like the Dallas Cowboys right now. Uh, you know, the naysayers or the detractors, they're going to simply say, OK, well, the Cowboys. Yeah, they got a winning record, but they haven't beat any team with a winning record this year. You look at the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Uh, every game they've won this year was against a team with a losing record when they play better teams. Obviously, they don't play as well. We can see that over the past uh, couple weeks with them. So I, it's one of those things as a player is it, uh, for for that team, you know, that going in. I would much rather have somebody say, oh, well, it was just the Giants and the Jets versus saying you lost to the Giants and or the Jets. So you got to take it all with a grain of salt. But the main thing is you have to beat the teams that are on your
1: schedule. Exactly. All right, we'll get to more of that moving forward, but let's get our promo read in here. And Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines and matchup reports for boxing golf and more BetOnline online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers including live betting and your favorite casino and card games are available to play right from your phone head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action remember to use the promo code believe for your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online or the game starts all right stan You know what? I felt like under the Raiders, uh, old boss, Josh McDaniels, and I think a lot of people felt this way, that the team was a rudderless ship. Is it fair to say, I know it's only been two games, it's a small sample size, but I feel like the Raiders are already developing an identity under Antonio Pierce on offense. Josh Jacobs is going to be the heart and soul of that offense. They're going to ride him, it seems like, as far as he can go. And on defense, it's, you know, let's just get after it with grit and determination. Fair assessment?
2: I think that's pretty much a fair assessment. I think that uh, ultimately, when you really look at this team right now, I think that they're going to get behind Antonio Pierce simply because there's always going to be only two ways that you're able to convince 53 men to follow you. And one, players respect other players. Antonio Pierce is a former player, Super Mm -hmm. Bowl champion, New York Giants. He's a a, a big-time Raider fan growing up in Compton and things like that. So you're going to naturally respect him because he's a former player that's number one number two somebody that knows the game the x's and o's you look at the bill belichick's of the world obviously we know the patriots are right now but nonetheless just knowing everything that he's accomplished in this league you're going to respect him off the rip and i think for antonio pierce because he's a former player he's going to always think like a player and players will always gravitate to that they will always respect that so they are more inclined to run through a brick wall for Antonio Pierce versus a Josh McDaniels, because look at what happened the very first game. He allowed all the practice squad guys to be mm-hmm. on the sideline. You see what I'm saying? Like just things like that resonate within a locker room because it shows that you really, really think you're one of us. You like, we're all in this together. There's not any of the exclusion. There's nothing like that. So I think that uh they're going to naturally get behind this guy. and. With him being a former linebacker, he's got that linebacker mindset. He's got that grit, that toughness, that physicality, and then also wanting to lean on Josh Jacobs on the offense side of the ball. And then obviously wouldn't Aiden O'Connell, he's a young guy. You don't want this guy dropping back. 35 40 times to win a game you don't want that because he's a rookie we all know that he's not a cj stroud type of rookie yes you have Devontae adams but you don't want to put too much on this guy's plate so you and i both know for a young quarterback coming into this league what are their best friends a good defense, mm-hmm. or should I say a defense that's not going to give up a lot of points, it's going to keep the them in the game, and also having a run game that you can lean on. That way he does not have to throw the ball 35 to 40 times a game. So, yeah, I think that that probably is the best recipe going forward, but we're going to see over the next two games, the next eight quarters, whether that's the right recipe because Miami has a high-powered offense. Mm-hmm. The Kansas City Chiefs have a pretty high-powered offense. Yeah, they don't have Tariq Hill anymore, but that offense can still get up and down the field, no doubt about that. So if that's the right recipe, I think over the next eight quarters, that will be discovered if you're able to do that, slowing down these high-octane offenses, and do you have the ability to be able to match them point for point, score for score, with leaning on the run game as opposed to the aerial attack?
1: You know, Stan, I heard something interesting during the broadcast, and it reminded me of when you were playing for the Raiders. Bo Hardegree, the Raiders' new offensive coordinator, went to Josh Jacobs and says, tell me the plays that are going to be most effective for you. And I go back to I think it was either 2010 or 2011 when Hugh Jackson was the Raiders' offensive coordinator. He went to Darren McFadden and said, okay, I want to build my offense around you. What works for you? And McFadden went out and had the greatest uh, season of his career. And it kind of reminded me of that, do you remember – when Hugh Jackson kind of put the offense in the hands of and Darren McFadden, this? I think it was 2010 when McFadden or maybe it was even before McFadden had that breakout year when Hugh Jackson was the offensive coordinator and he went to Darren McFadden and said, I'm going to build this offense around you. What works for you? And I think the Raiders went from like one of the worst scoring teams to one of the higher scoring teams in the NFL. And it kind of reminded me of that going back to your days with the Raiders.
2: Oh, 2010, I was definitely there. Uh, you know, that does kind of sound familiar to that to that uh, standpoint because, yeah, uh, Darren McFadden had a pretty good year in that 2010 2010 season, win 8-8. Eight and eight. We wound up uh, not winning the division because we, we swept the division and we lost it to the right. Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And that year we lost to the 49ers, the Jags, and the Cardinals all in the fourth quarter, all in the second half where uh, we had a lead in the second half. Wound up blowing. If we'd have won those three games, we'd have wound up going to the playoffs because we we uh, we swept the division. So we would have obviously won the tiebreaker against the Kansas City Chiefs, who I believe went eleven and five or ten and six that year, if memory serves correctly. But yeah, I think. uh, but to the original point, to the original question, it's something that whenever you feel like the coach is with you, whenever you feel like he's in support of you, you just naturally want to run harder for him. You want to play harder for him. And so, given that you are able to have input on the offense or the defense, special teams, whatever, that's something that's always going to resonate in the locker room, and it just goes to show that a lot of coaches are control freaks. Mm. As coaches, inherently, you're naturally a control freak, but you don't want to get to the point to where you are such a micromanager. You don't want to get to the point where you are such a disciplinarian, where the players feel like they can't even talk to you or they can't even have a conversation with you about what they th- they think should be changed or what they think should be modified. Because at the end of the day, if the players are not comfortable running the plays that you're calling, you're not going to be successful as a play caller. The team won't be successful and you're probably going to get fired. So it would behoove you to try to make this more of a partnership than a dictatorship. And that's exactly what Antonio Pierce, much like Hugh Jackson, with, De- uh, with uh, Darren McFadden years ago, back, uh, back what they were doing.
1: Dan, I think Antonio Pierce has uh, fallen in love with Robert Spillane. And I don't know if it's because they both played linebacker. Uh, you know, he told Spillane, he goes, I want to build my defense around you. And, you know, you look at Pierce, wasn't drafted out of Arizona, had a cup of coffee with Washington. And like you said, he was the captain, I believe, the defensive captain of that 2007 New York Giants team. That upset the New England Patriots yeah. in the 2007 Super Bowl. I mean, you look at Spillane. You know, when the Raiders signed him, the Steelers let him go because they said, oh, he could play the run well. But we're not so sure. He's a little suspect in the passing game. But I think he's played very well. And actually, he was the a- AFC defensive player of the week and he became the first Raider to record a sack in an interception since Khalil Mack did it in 2016. Stan, is that is the, the relationship there? Pierce is a linebacker. Spillane's a linebacker. He wants to build his defense around him. I thought it was interesting because when you look at Max Cross, he's the best player on that defense, but as your middle linebacker as a guy who played eight years in the NFL on that side of the ball. Is the middle linebacker usually your heart and soul of that defense?
2: Yeah, that's usually the person you want to be the heart and soul because they're also the quarterback of the defense. They're the one who's making all the calls, making all the checks. If you see that the nose guard is in the wrong gap, you can go ahead, lean over, you know, tap him on his side and just tell him to go ahead and scoot over to the right or to the left. You look at the the team's that have the best defenses you look at the san francisco 49ers you got fred warner Mm -hmm. and you also have uh dre greenlaw you look at the seattle seahawks the legion of boom who'd you have bobby Bobby wagner Wagner. you Mm -hmm. look at the 49ers in the uh in the jim harbaugh administration who'd you have patrick willis navarro bowman Mm -hmm. i can go all the way down the list so the better teams, the better defenses are going to have a linebacker who's playing at a Pro Bowl or an All-Pro level. So yeah, absolutely. For, um, for Coach Pierce to want to build the defense around a Spillane, uh, I definitely understand exactly why he's doing that. Now, it remains to be seen if Spillane will be able to continue to play at such a high level. I hope he does. It's something that remains to be seen. And when you look at how Max Crosby, Still has about not about uh, nine and a half sacks so far this year. Obviously, he's going to go to the Pro Bowl again and probably get probably get some more uh, All Pro nods because you can slide the protection because you can simply run screens or draws to try to slow him down. It's it's easier to neutralize a stud edge rusher than I think it is to. Uh, be able to neutralize a Mike linebacker because they can affect the game against the run. They can affect it against the pass. They can also simply call out plays to help their other defensive players get in position to be successful. So uh, with them always being in a two-point stance, they're able to see everything. As a defensive lineman, you have your hand in the dirt. There's a lot of things you're not able to see just because anatomically the position that you're in. I think that uh, there's a myriad of ways that a Mike linebacker can affect the defense. And I think that uh, Antonio Pierce, being a former linebacker himself, a former captain, a Super Bowl champion, he knows that. And for this situation right now with these Las Vegas Raiders, who else would you build it around?
0: Mm -hmm. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you.
1: Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Great, great points, Dan. Absolutely, 100%. Makes a lot of sense. Um, Stan, I was thinking about this, and Aiden O'Connell, you mentioned him earlier, the rookie quarterback. sometimes I forget he's a rookie with the way they're running their offense. He's going to make his fourth start against the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. Are he and Antonio Pierce tied together because both are you know one's coaching for his future, one's playing for his future. The quarterback and the coach often go hand in hand. you know, obviously, it's the most most important position in all of sports. So can you say that they're tied together?
2: uh i mean it sounds good i mean i mean it's very easy to assume that but no they're not tied together simply because antonio pierce didn't handpick aiden o'connell that was josh mcdaniels that was the gm who both are, are now exited the building so for antonio pierce if this team winds up winning a couple more games and they push for a playoff spot and let's say they don't make it for antonio pierce he can go into mark davis's office and he can simply tell him hey listen Look at how we were able to play after the exit of Josh McDaniels. Well, you know what? Imagine if we get a healthy, competent quarterback in here. Who knows what we can do? Look at what's going on up there in Detroit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, You got Jared Goff. You got, uh, I forget the head coach's name off the top of my head. Dan Campbell. Yeah, Dan Campbell. So it sounds good in theory that they're tied together, but no. Uh Antonio Pierce did not hand pick Aiden O'Connell. So that is something you could very well see Antonio Pierce coming back as the permanent head coach for the Las
1: Vegas Raiders uh going forward, but also having a new quarterback in the fold. You know, Stan, I'm glad you brought up Dan Campbell because when you were talking about former coaches and, and relating the players, I think Antonio wants to get to where Dan Campbell is now because I was thinking Dan Campbell the whole time you were describing that relationship and i'm thinking this is dan campbell this is dan campbell and you almost feel like that's antonio pierce perhaps i don't know want to say modeling but maybe angling towards that type of relationship same kind of uh tough guy mentality antonio pierce dan campbell that's the way he wants to mold the raiders and that's what i was thinking the whole time when you were describing that is that fair i think that's pretty fair just because when you look at being a head coach in the
2: NFL, or even college football for that matter, you got an offensive coordinator. You got a defensive coordinator. So being a head coach is more like being the CEO of the company who oversees everything. You're the one who's going to be hands-on with clock management, calling a timeout. If, let's say, it is five minutes left to go in the game and your team is up by five points, now you lean over to your offensive coordinator, hey, let's go ahead and try to run the ball. Let's go ahead and try to drown out this clock. Okay, you know what? The defense. They're now going out there. The team is up by 11 points. Tell your defense coordinator, hey, let's go ahead and start running a little bit more cover two. Let's start running a little bit more cover three. Let's play a little bit softer. Let's go ahead and give them the nickel and dime. We just want to go ahead and stop the big play because it's only about eight minutes left to go in this game. So let's go ahead and, you know, play a little bit softer, keep everything in front of us, and let's not be as much of a a risk taker as we were for the first three and a half quarters. So, as a head coach, you're 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 overseeing things, and that's where you got to be a great leader. You have to be a leader of men as a head coach. You do not have to be as X's and O's sound as one might think. You got to be somebody who can lead men. And I think for Antonio Pierce, much like how you see with a Dan Campbell, Dan mm-hmm. Campbell, think about it. All of his years as a coach was what? tight ends coach right yeah he was never an offensive coordinator no but he can lead men and for antonio pierce he doesn't have to be bill belichick savvy and always come up with these exotic defenses to try to thwart the quarterback and things like that he's just got to be a leader of men you can have a defense coordinator who can do that mm-hmm. but you got to be able to convince 53 guys who don't have any reason to follow you other than they simply want to
1: All right, Stan, let's go look ahead now to uh, Sunday's game against the Dolphins, and that begins a very tough stretch for the Raiders. I mean, you got this one, then you're home next week against Kansas City, then you got the bye, home to all of a sudden a surging Vikings team. And if Joshua Dobbs isn't the story of the year in the NFL, what he's doing at quarterback, it's unbelievable. three teams, he's gone from the Browns to the Cardinals and now to the Vikings. And then after that, they're home to the Raiders, then at the Chiefs on Christmas. Stan, Despite the fact that the Raiders are 500, Miami, a 13 and a half point favorite over the Silver and Black, and the Dolphins coming off a bye. They're first place in the AFC East. But Dan, you mentioned this earlier. I look at their wins. They're against teams with a combined winning percentage of 306. Their losses are against teams with a combined winning percentage of 714. I know the Raiders aren't a bad team. I know they're not a really good team. They're somewhere, I think, in the middle. So, Stan, the Dolphins' offense, they lead the league in explosive plays, which is either a pass of 16 yards or more, or a run play of longer than 12 yards. Yes. So, play Patrick Graham for me, and how do you slow down Tua to Tagovailoa, Tyreek Hill, and the rest of that Dolphins' offense?
2: you got to take the same blueprint that the Philadelphia Eagles employed. you got to take the same blueprint that the Kansas City Chiefs employed. Uh, you got to be able to get after the quarterback. you got to be able to pressure Tua, and I think you have to make sure that you take away the second- and third-level throw for Tua Tagovailoa, with Tariq Hill, with Jalen Waddle, with all of those guys, uh, you got to be able to have a safety on top of Tariq Hill at all times. You have to make sure that you corral him. If he catches the ball, it has to be 11 jerseys running to the ball, has to be a lot of gang tackling. But first and foremost, you got to be able to pressure Tua. You look at uh, Philadelphia, you look at Kansas City, you look at some other teams. They were able to pressure him. That way he's not able to step up in the pocket and be able to throw the ball deep to Tariq Hill and things like that. You have to be able to pressure him. Max Crosby has to have a great game getting pressure. Spillane is going to have to be great roaming the middle part of the field, taking away the dig, taking away the skinny post just with body presence. Going to have to make sure that you're physical with Tariq Hill at the line of scrimmage, getting reroutes, things like that. Same thing with a Jalen Waddle, and you're going to have to make sure that those safeties are smart whenever they're in coverage. Do not give Tariq Hill a free release. Do not allow Tariq Hill to be man coverage with Ja'Cory and Bennett <laughs> or anybody else, for that matter, on the defense side of the ball just because we know how explosive he is. So you definitely got to be physical. You definitely have to put pressure on the quarterback, and you got to run a good amount of cover to and play top-down defense.
1: So, Stan, do you blitz much against Tungavailoa or you, or you just try to keep everything in front of you, prevent the big play, and for God's sake, wrap up as soon as they make a catch?
2: Well, ideally, you'd want to be able to get pressure with just four. That way you're now right. able to leave seven back in coverage. But we can see the Raiders don't have that luxury right now. So there will be times where, yeah, you'll have to go ahead and do a good job of disguising your coverages and then just simply allowing them to have the underneath pass. That way, now you just come up, make the tackle, you got a gang tackle, things like that. And then in hopes of creating that pressure, you can get a couple tip passes. You can get a couple errant throws by two things like that. Maybe that can lead to a turnover, but you're going to have to find a way to teeter along that line of being aggressive, but also not being silly or stupid or careless with your play calling.
1: And Stan, on the other side of the football, I think the Raiders blueprint is probably going to be the same thing. Feed Josh Jacobs, feed Josh Jacobs and feed him again, because what is, if you got the ground game going, that not only chews up the yards, but chews up the clock and keeps the opposing defense uh, offense on the field as well. So don't you think, once again, we're going to see a heavy dose of Jacobs in that ground game out of the Raiders?
2: Like I said, ideally, that's what you want. But if all of a sudden Miami gets out to a 17-3 lead uh, early second quarter, you're not going to be able to run that ground and pound, drowned out the clock, those long methodical drives. You're not going to be able to do that. You're going to have to go and put the ball in Aiden O'Connell's hands and allow him to be a gunslinger and things like that. So ideally, yes, that's what you want. But much like Mike Tyson always said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. So what you want to do is you want to avoid that knockout punch in the first quarter by the Miami Dolphins with Jalen Waddle on a deep post or Tariq Hill on a goal ball, things like that, if they're able to weather that storm, because they're going to be down there in Miami. It is right now mid-November. So based on weather. And I remember years ago when I was an Oakland Raider, we played Miami early December. It was humid out there. We weren't used to that. So in the first quarter, we were gassed. So they're going to have to make sure that they weather that storm throughout the first quarter just because then you can get into the methodical ball control field position type of offensive mindset. Prediction, Stan? You know, Oh, uh, today is November 15th. I'm gonna think with my head. I would say, and I hope I'm wrong, but I would say Miami 26. Raiders 17.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking somewhere along the lines, maybe 28, 17. Just 13 points. Man, that is a lot. I was I'm I'm just shocked at the line. But then the Raiders also they were underdog at home last week to the yeah. New York Jets. I think it was mm-hmm. a point. So Um, You know, here's the thing, Stan. We're both on the same page. We think the Dolphins are going to win. If somehow the Raiders can pull this off, I think this is going to raise a lot of eyebrows and think, okay, maybe there's something really going on with Antonio Pierce and these Raiders.
2: Yes, if uh, if they were to win, if they win this game or next week against Kansas City Chiefs, that would bode so well for Antonio Pierce's, uh, for his campaign as being the permanent head coach for this team. So uh, these next two weeks, are going to be very big. They're going to be very paramount. And I think that if you see the Raiders mess around here and by the end of next Sunday, by the end of next Sunday being six and six, oh man, look out for these last five weeks if they wind up being six and six at the end of next Sunday. Any given Sunday. Good stuff, partner, as always. Oh man, I love it. This is a (laughs) great time of the year. Antonio Pierce leading these Raiders. Hopefully, I'm wrong with my uh, prediction that they're going to lose on Sunday. And, man, I think uh, I think this team really has a lot of grit to them, and it's going to be very fun to see them the last uh, several several weeks of the season.
1: Yeah, I hope I'm wrong on Sunday as well. All right, Raider Nation, that's going to do it for this edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Routes. I'm Dennis Sackerman. Thanks so much for listening, and may all your punts find the coffin corner.